You're listening to the Digital Forensics Files podcast with your host, Tyler Hatch from DFI Forensics. Hello and welcome to the Digital Forensics Files podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Hatch from DFI Forensics. I'm really excited to have you guys in the studio today. The studio, what am I talking about? This whole podcast thing is going to my head <laughs> in the boardroom that I rented. Studios. <laughs> No, seriously, guys, thanks for coming. Um, it's Christian Redshaw and Dominic Vogel from Cyber.sc in the house. We're freestyling today. Guys, what a fantastic alignment of the stars because it's it's October 31st. It's the last day of Cybersecurity <laughs> Awareness Month. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, we got a cybersecurity expert, two of them in the house. <laughs> and we're going to talk about one of the most spooky and scary things for businesses, which is cyber attacks. Yes. So, guys, welcome. Thanks for doing this. Thanks you're really for good. Us. Yeah, you're really good at setting themes, Tyler. There's a lot, a lot of good themes there. Just yeah, yeah. There. Put a lot of thought into that whole <laughs> Halloween thing. <laughs> yeah. But listen, guys, I want to go back to a little bit about the start of your, your business and your experience in the field. So I guess I'll start with you, Dominic. Yeah. Um, you came out of the banking financial world. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was in the financial sector. That was my last run of the, the corporate mill. Yeah. yeah. And so how did you get into security through that channel? Yeah. I mean... I, I, I didn't. I didn't get into security through the financial services sector. So back to uh, sort of my education days. So when I was entering university, um, I knew I wanted to study computer science, but I wasn't sure what within that I wanted to specialize in. And my dad, who at the time was still a, um, a computer science high school teacher, he would always bring home this huge stack of magazines, which he got for free uh, from all sorts of different computer companies. And he said, "Well, maybe there's something in here that that, that you'll like." And, all through my grade 12 year and even into my first year of university, I wasn't sure. And one day I came across this magazine that said Information Security Magazine. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I've never heard that term before. And for whatever reason, I read that magazine and I got hooked. I thought it was really interesting. Um, it was about problem solving and mm -hmm. um, that got me interested. So I did some learning on the side because I didn't really get any cybersecurity education in, in university. Yeah. Um, but when I graduated, I knew I wanted to work in the cybersecurity field. and. Um, I worked in the uh, logistics area first uh, out of when I graduated, and then I moved into financial services uh, for the rest of my corporate career. And what time frame are we talking about? Like that InfoSec magazine that you read back that then? Would in the, yeah, <laughs> in the 1970s. No, yeah, so that would be, that would be uh, circa the uh, early uh, 2000s. Okay, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. so right when kind of the threats were developing. Yeah, it was still so very you, nascent at, at yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you've seen a lot over the course of the years uh, in terms of it developing. Yep. Yep. And I, I, I mean, I, my in terms of my career, we're, we're approaching around 15 years now in terms of various levels of professional mm -hmm. uh, uh, service. So just in the 15 years I've been focusing on this fully, uh, it's amazing how much has changed, but mm -hmm. also how much has stayed the same. Okay. Which a lot of the problems that we still see as being prevalent, like you know, good patch management and doing some of the basics, mm -hmm. those problems still existed 15 years ago. And it's somewhat disheartening that uh, 15 plus years later, we haven't solved some of those basic problems. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, very frustrating. So now um, you and Christian formed your company, you kind of came aligned together. How did that all develop, Christian? It's kind of a really funny you asked that question today because 
uh, the customer that I had, we were both in a, in a big credit union here in Canada. Yeah. And a customer that I had is how we initially met, and he actually just popped into this office randomly out of the blue. No way. So, studio. Into the studio. Yes, the studio. The studio. <laughs> <Yeah>. Boardroom. <laughs> the MGM Grand Studio. Yeah, this here. house tower keeps referring to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this, this basement. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Yeah. 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 yeah, so it's wild, just full circle. Funny thing that is funny, yeah. Up, but wow. basically, so I was doing risk management and commercial insurance looking mm -hmm. after this client and we needed a cybersecurity expert so we needed someone more expert than me mm -hmm. by far and uh, <laughs> Dominic's Dominic was doing cybersecurity for the credit union, so amazing. We brought him to lunch with us, and uh, we got just free lunch. Off. There you go. <laughs> That's amazing, guys. So, why don't we, for everybody who may not know exactly what you do, mm -hmm. what is cybersecurity? Who wants to tackle that one? Uh, well, you can yeah. go with what is cybersecurity, and I can yeah. say what we do for sure. Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, when we're when we're talking about cybersecurity, I mean, there's a lot of layers to that, but I would say at its sort of root level is about understanding cyber risk. So every organization. Unless you're selling, you know, uh, tacos on the back of a Volvo on your hibachi, uh, for all cash. Yeah, for all cash. Um, uh, <laughs> that you, every organization has a digital footprint, mm -hmm. right? and as such, there are cyber risk or data risk questions that organizations need to have the sort of the uh, willingness to go through, think mm -hmm. through, and realize that even if you have people just signing up with their user uh, with a first name, last name, email address. You have to do something to protect that, right? Um, and again, there's various levels in terms of what cybersecurity means, but it, uh, it's root. It's understanding that we live in a digital economy, mm -hmm. and as such, there's a currency which we like to refer to as digital trust. Your clients, your customers need to trust you in this digital world. So, mm -hmm. cybersecurity helps to propel digital trust. Awesome. And over to you, Christian. What yeah. is it that you guys do to help customers and your business clients uh, navigate that territory? Yeah, well, like Dominic's alluding to, I mean, we're in the digital age now. So kind of bringing people from being dinosaurs into you know, the realities of business today, email and doing business on the internet. Used to be building stock and equipment and all of these physical things were your assets. Mm -hmm. Now it's digital assets, it's your IP, it's your customer's information, your shareholder's information. Right. So the first thing that we do with clients of different sizes, different industries, because cyber criminals just don't care what industry that you're in, so we can we That's can true. basically help everybody. Uh, we baseline your your risks. We baseline your protection. So we we do an assessment. Then we're looking for the quick wins for them. So what is the cheapest way that you can get more resilience against cyber attacks? So the idea is assess and then put the protections in place. So kind of the three areas, just to go kind of one level deeper, would be technology, which everybody thinks of as cybersecurity. Right. So things like a firewall, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, then you've got the people training and awareness, and then you've got processes. Right, right. Because you can have awesome technology, but if one person lets in a cyber criminal without meaning to, mm -hmm. it's all for nothing. Absolutely, yeah. And if everybody had good security and and these problems wouldn't be happening unless there was some exploitation like the human factor that was involved. Mm -hmm. yeah. what, what's the most common misconception in terms of people doing something about their cybersecurity? Is it really that technology can be secure and that's it? <laughs> we we yeah. both have the exact same thought in our minds the, right now. The, sure. Yeah, there's, there's, I would say there's, a, again, back to my earlier point about why so many of these problems have not been solved is because a lot of these myths are prevailing. Mm -hmm. I would say one of the more prevailing myths that we run into, especially with business leaders, business owners, is that, oh, we have an IT guy, or you know, our IT managed service provider deals with that. You know, we're, we're washing our hands, all things security, it, mm -hmm. it's being dealt with. And 
um, that's a very dangerous mindset. That's the, uh, what we like to refer to as a false sense of security in which yeah. there's a distinction between operational security about you know, making sure that you have a, maybe a firewall that Christian was talking about or endpoint protection, uh, encryption, what have you. And that's technology operating though, um, from the, sorry, the operations from the security perspective, but you can't outsource the risk. Yeah. That's str the strategy in terms of how you deal with it, the guidance, the oversight, that falls on the executive, the business owner, business leader. Mm -hmm. That isn't something that your IT guy deals with. Right. And that's, I'd say, is the most dangerous um, myth that we still deal with today. Yeah, I think, you know, the likelihood of what uh, would happen to an IT service provider if something went wrong is that they end that relationship with, the, with your business mm -hmm. and they're out of a job with you. Okay, that's probably more likely the worst case scenario. Yeah. If your clients have entrusted their sensitive personal or corporate details to you, or your shareholders, or even the employees that you need to protect, mm -hmm. you're the risk owner to that. They're yeah. not going to sue your IT guy if something no. goes wrong. They'll come after you. Yeah, that's right. Even um, though you're a victim of a cyber attack, and we're sympathetic to corporate victims. Of course. Uh, your, your clients are, uh, are not going to see it that way. Right. There's a legal component here yep. that's very real. Yep. The liability falls on the business, but also who it falls, it's not gonna fall on the entry level employee. It's gonna yep. fall on the people who are making the decisions yep. and you can't pass that off. Yep. Let's talk about a couple of common objections. Sure. I don't deal with data, so I'm not gonna be a victim. What do you guys yeah. think about that excuse? <laughs> I don't deal with data. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a crawlery. That's the taco business, I don't know. Yeah, I guess, yeah, there's a <laughs> crawlery to that one being, you know, we're, we're too small, you know, what, what mm -hmm. the data that we do have, you know, cyber criminals aren't going to come after us. Right. Hackers aren't going to come after us. And um, back to another point, which I'm going to say 99% of small and mid-sized businesses, um, pretty much all businesses, have data. And mm -hmm. they need that data to operate, like I said. Right. Unless you're selling tacos in the back of a truck, mm -hmm. um, your, your business thrives on data. Data is the oil of the 21st century. Right. 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 Uh, that data is what propels businesses forward and helps them make decisions. Yeah. Um, so for those who say, you know, we don't have data, it's it comes down to, okay, uh, I think we were talking about this earlier today was you know, there's the confidentiality of that data. Mm -hmm. uh, and if, you know, if it's sensitive or if something was to happen to it, uh, then the people who entrusted you with that data can hold you responsible, legal liability, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, there's that portion of it. But even if, and we've, we see this a lot, uh, it's in manufacturing, mm -hmm. in which you know they may not have sensitive data, but the availability of that data or availability of systems that help propel their manufacturing mm -hmm. uh, line, yeah. if that availability of those systems went down, then they'd be hooped. And availability is key tenant of security. By, it's yes, not, it's by not, a minute time is money. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. So it's again, it's it's somewhat myopic thinking in, in which just being able to not look at the big picture. Right, right. And so when I talk about that, my question was kind of based on people perceiving that if they don't keep sensitive information on their clients, health records and yeah. financial credit card things, they're like, well, nobody's going to come after me. But it's the ability to shut people down yeah. yep. that mm -hmm. lets people demand a ransom. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's that's what would have been my answer as well. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's not valuable to cyber criminals. Maybe they can't resell that on the dark web and do you know identity theft. But maybe it's valuable to you. Mm -hmm. yep. What about your internal information that you rely on? If, that's you, right. if you go offline, if somebody hits you with ransomware, mm -hmm. um, what are you going to do? Right? No, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, 
you know, we were responding to a client last week and they were for every day. That, fortunately, they were only down for a single day. But in that one day, they lost $60,000 in not being able to produce their goods. Wow. Uh, and the ransomware didn't actually take a hold, yeah. um, but they were very close to it. What industry, if you, if I can ask, was that? It was, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I could loosely can... identify them as printing. Okay. Printing? okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, very very high level production yeah. thing but i mean they could have if they at the worst case scenario and i i talked to them about this we may be looking at you know a multi-week shutdown yeah. at sixty thousand dollars a day yeah. and they were terrified yeah. that, like, could bring, that could bring a small business to its knees and you Absolutely. only charge fifty nine thousand dollars a day so they're, they're in the black but yeah, no, the, the, the risks are very real and yeah. it's very interesting. So I like what you guys are out there doing. Talk about what your business model is based upon, because one of the things you offer is kind of uh, this uh, virtual chief information security officer sure. platform. So mm -hmm. talk to us about yeah. the alt well, I'll kick things off sure. there. Yeah. So the average salary of a chief information security officer, let's use the states, for example, is about a quarter of a million dollars U.S. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at benefits on top of that. You're looking at a placement fee of, let's say, 20%. Oftentimes, if you can find a good person, and especially if they're a good person, they will uh, stay, build their resume a little bit, and that uh, recruiter or another recruiter or another organization come knocking. Mm -hmm. Off they go with a more attractive offer, and then you're left back to square one again. So right. that's sort of the baseline uh, that we start from. Not all, all organizations need somebody full-time, so imagine cutting that salary in half or quarter or third or whatever it is. We can come in and bring the capabilities of a cyber director or what they call CISO, CISO Chief Information Security Officer, yep. get the job done for them mm -hmm. and, and hit the ground running. And the, the thing about us uh, is that we won't leave you. We're there as long as you need us to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that's part of the process. You should be there. Yes. Uh, it's more than just a one-stop snapshot of your Exactly. It's a process, right? Exactly. And Christian's always, a, you know, a, I have to give him credit for coining the phrase that, you know, the assessment is just the beginning. Yeah. For most of our quote-unquote competitors, that assessment is the final deliverable. They'll give them this, you know, like one of the big four, they'll drop this nice, big, fancy 300-page report. Right. And for pretty much uh, most small and mid-sized businesses, they look at that and like, the hell do we do with this? Mm -hmm. you know, and now they're out 60, 70K, and they just have this really fancy looking report, and mm -hmm. they can't make heads or tails out of it. Right. Um, you know, it's that's, to us, that's very much the beginning. From right. there, that's our playbook for setting out a, a roadmap. What are those risk reduction items we should mm -hmm. focus on year one over a multi year um, uh, approach? And it's very much, again, focusing it from a leadership capacity. Right. Most small and mid sized businesses. Don't, there's a leadership void there when mm -hmm. it comes to managing cyber risk. Right. Um, and that's what we're filling. You know, the, the industry loosely re refers to it as VC so, but we've sort of anecdotally have found out that most small and mid-sized businesses can't relate to that term. Right. And they're like, VC so, what the F is that? And we, spent, <laughs> we spent 20 minutes trying to uh, explain what that concept is. And then they moved to, off that. Yeah, and that's where sort of off. having a, you know, when we talk about a leadership void and the, how to strategically deal with cyber risk, mm -hmm. that, again, it's not maybe as sexy as a VC so acronym, but uh, it seems to be landing much more. There you go. Yeah. So you found a way to communicate with people that's more effective to make them understand that this is something they need to be paying yes. attention yeah, to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, having said the fact that the, Assessment is just the beginning for for me, and I think for our clients that is the beginning of a really good uh, eye-opening uh, stage mm -hmm. for them. So it's, it's, I call it the, the 
hallmark moment where right. people just start to relax and they start to see what it is because maybe they don't really see mm-hmm. what cybersecurity is or uh, what they're protecting against. All of a sudden they start to see, ah, that's what it means for us and here's what we can do about it. We can actually start on right. the journey now. Right. So it's an awesome he calls moment. it Hallmark. I think it's more of an oh shit moment. I was yeah. going to say, I was going to say it's more of a aha. Uh-huh. He's the negative. Yeah. And I'm a more He's of a cheery positive. Person. Yeah. yeah. You're Can't the, stand him. <laughs> you guys are like the yin and yang. Yeah. There you go. I like it. What, so when you talk about people kind of calming down in that moment and, yeah. and getting out of that state where they're anxious and uncertain, yeah. what are those uncertainties that they're, they're afraid of before they get into the process, do you think? Um, I, I'd say it's, I wouldn't say it's, Uncertainty. I'd say it's more ignorance, mm. um, and maybe blissful ignorance. Not to make it sound too negative, yeah. uh, so I can keep Christian happy. There. But um, you know, it, it, it's it's a state of being uninformed. Yes. Uh, in which they just they don't know what they don't know, mm-hmm. and um, when we're able to go through that and demonstrate to them and saying, you know what, if we're looking at this from a best practice point of view, here's what you should be doing, mm-hmm. and here's what you're actually doing. And it's uh, that's those are oceans apart. So where we can at least say to them, you know what, this doesn't have to be something where you invest millions of dollars into doing this. Doing right. cybersecurity well is actually can be uh, it's a very there's a very cost effective approach to doing it. Right. Right. The you know a lot of security vendors will say, oh, you have to buy product X, product Y. That's the wrong way of doing things. Mm-hmm. The, the products, the platforms, they come after setting up, again, looking at it from a risk-based perspective, making sure you got the right people and processes in place. Yes. And what capabilities do you need to mm-hmm. sort of manage those risks mm-hmm. and then what technologies do those map to? Right. Uh, trying to mm-hmm. take a different approach because most uh, small and mid-sized businesses, heck, most companies take the ass-backwards approach of just saying, oh, well, we've just spent 500000 on this state-of-the-art firewall, state-of-the-art security event monitoring tool. We are now secure. Right. Those are not our clients. Right. Yeah. Right. And... I think uh, Justin Malachewski, who was on your show as well, said it really great on, on my podcast. He, he said, people who do that, he said, congratulations, you're now 98% per, per, 98% effective yeah. at stopping 50% of the problems. Yes. And that just yeah. summed it up so yeah. perfectly That's for very me. That's true. You know? Yeah, very, very true. <laughs> now, Dominic, you went through the era, I imagine, where it was pen testing. Penetration testing was a big deal, and that was a one-time attempt to, mm-hmm. to breach a network sort of thing. Yeah. Um, we've we've moved away from that as an industry would you say um, or, or is that still an important I, tool? I, I would say that i would say that that's still very prevalent and back to one of the earlier things you were talking alluding to about about myths or misconceptions we have a lot of clients who will reach out to us saying we need pen testing mm-hmm. and it's like ah you know what you don't actually need pen testing when you try and peel back the layers there um one of the sort of i would say the most common lexicon that non-security people use is Pen testing. Right. Pen testing seems to be this catch-all phrase for something cybersecurity yeah. re- related. And, and it's an IT favorite it's a, yeah, it's a, yeah, exactly. And, and um, I would say that it, it's still very prevalent, as it should, because it, you know, as part of a broad cybersecurity program, it's still important. Mm-hmm. But when it's used, uh, it's often misused. Right. Um, and sort of my example for that is that you know, a lot of organizations, they'll have no cybersecurity program in place. They won't be patching vulnerabilities on a consistent basis, but yet they'll pay 50K to get a pen test done when you know you're doing jack all. Mm-hmm. To me, that's like saying, okay, you know what? We're going to hire someone to try and break into a building. We're going to leave all the doors open. Right. We're not going to lock anything. We're going to take our guard dogs and guards off duty. 
but we're still going to pay them to try and break it. Mm -hmm. right. It's literally take half that money, burn it, yeah. and you'll be ahead <laughs> yeah. significantly. Yeah. yeah so that's, they, the yeah. idea is that know your vulnerabilities first, mm -hmm. address the vulnerabilities, and then test what you've done. So yeah. right. penetration testing for us is included in the last of, we look, yeah. look after 20 areas of cybersecurity. That's number 20. That's mm -hmm. in number 20. Right. It's not number. There's a lot of things to do first before asking right. that question. Absolutely, yeah. One of my examples, I know you guys do this, is you assess who should have access to what level of data. Yes. And one of the greatest examples that I give is, you know, somebody who got fired at a very large Vancouver chain restaurant yeah. as a hostess yeah. on her way out the door in a state of anger, grabbed like a whole bunch, copied off a whole bunch of like thousands and thousands of credit card transactions that the restaurant had processed. Why on earth does an entry-level employee have, have access, access to that? Exactly. You know, those are the yeah. kind of things that we're talking. That would be maybe one of the 20 steps that we should look at yeah. as your specific organization. Do you really need that access yeah. for her job? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, <laughs> they need to know. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's when yeah. we sort of you know, focus on the basics of the basic. Right. Um, that's leveraging what's referred to as the principle of least privilege, mm -hmm. in which all users should just have only what they need to do their job right. and no more. Right. right. So, but the thing is, most organizations take the shortcut and like, okay, yeah, just rather than try and establish some actual user access model, we're just gonna give everyone God access. Right, right, yeah. And um, that's something that maybe an IT person wouldn't focus on. They're, they're probably just only instructed on yep. on setting up the, the technology and making the business function. Yeah. Um, uh, let's talk about IT people. So there's, there's a, I Let's see. Tyler. Yeah, I know it's gonna it's gonna drum up some some feelings here and some some anger. There are some good ones. As well. There I are like very good. Ones. Yeah, and I want to recognize that right off the bat because yeah, yeah. they are skilled and they are highly trained. Yeah. But for some reason, I sense that IT people want to do it all: cybersecurity, incident response, digital forensics. I don't understand what it is about enough. the field. They're not overworked <laughs> enough. They need to be busier. I think that's what it is. Yeah. I, I mean, what's your sense of why they would want to take on it? Like, I don't personally yeah. want to take on things that are outside of my capability. I find that stressful and dangerous. And uh, I'd say that they're not willingly taking it on. I, I'd say the gap still exists at that management or executive level mm -hmm. in which, again, they're still viewing cybersecurity as being an IT right, problem. Okay. Ergo, IT should handle that. And mm -hmm. IT Mo budget, cybersecurity dumps in the IT. Yeah, Mo right. most IT you know, managers, directors that, that, that we know, uh, and like Christian was saying, there are so many great IT leaders, especially in, in greater Vancouver. Yeah. Um, they're overworked, they're burned out. They can't, ha they can't be doing security on the side of their desk. Yeah. Yet they, they have no choice because uh, their executives are dumping it, that portfolio on their lap, mm -hmm. and that puts them in a hard spot because when it comes to gauging their IT director, IT manager's level of success, they're like, okay, well, our job is to get new IT systems applications out as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. That flies in the face then of trying to do security as well. That's, you can't be the judge, jury, and executioner all in one role. Uh, and that's that's sort of this this uh, this problem that IT directors and managers are, are falling into. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not a trap of their own making. Yeah. I'd say it's still very much the the gap at the business level yeah. that's recognizing or failing to recognize that right. this shouldn't be in something on IT's lap. So an unfair expectation on that person. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. And I think you know added to that is that cybersecurity is seen as a technology thing. 
Right. And so then IT is charged with that. But if you think about the processes and creating and enforcing processes, mm -hmm. they're t typically not strong at that. If you think about who do you want to be teaching your employees about cybersecurity awareness from a communication skills perspective, right? Is, are the first people that you're going to think about the help desk people or the or the IT department? Probably not, because that's not their interest. Mm -hmm. They tend not to be strong there, which is okay. Right. Interesting. Christian, you're, as you know, I love your analogies. You make a lot of analogies. One of them is the moat uh, principle of we used to surround a business in the, in the analogy of a moat. We yes. protect what's inside the boundaries of that business, yeah. but that's changed a lot now in our modern world. How, yes. what's, what's going on that people need to know? Well, about? I think uh, I'll start this one off and certainly Dominic, feel free to jump in, but um, that's that's talking about the defense in depth, which is good to have different layers. So protection on each different technology and, and people layer. Mm -hmm. um, so that is still uh, still relevant today, but it's more sophisticated in that you think about the attack surface that they call it, not to speak jargon, but you have the Internet of Things and you have mobile devices. Mm -hmm. You in this room right now, yeah, it's kind of out of control, <laughs> right? Like how, how does the moat, how do you build a moat around such an expansive yeah. um, vulnerability? Absolutely. Yeah. And as time progresses and people recognize that employees may function better if they have other non-traditional working arrangements like yeah. working from home or remotely or using uh, a cell phone and a laptop and a tablet mm -hmm. all to perform their job, it's very difficult to defend a, a exactly. defined barrier. Absolutely. Exactly. And, and that's where, you know, we've, We've seen that shift in which that paradigm of the moat was, you know, it was pretty. That was effective up until as I would say as recently as the uh, early two thousands. Mm -hmm. But then, as we saw the growth of cloud, uh, mobile devices, and sort of the breakdown of the fact that you know a lot of companies now don't have their own internal data center, right. which they're leveraging cloud services. Mm -hmm. uh, their users are leveraging different things. So now you have a, just a, rather than having one perimeter, you have a thousand mini yeah. perimeters, and you have to sort of move those controls from just being which had traditionally been at the network level, mm -hmm. and now having more security focused sort of around the data and user level. Yeah. So I think that's why we're seeing this greater push towards uh, user level controls like multi-factor authentication, mm -hmm. why that's become so much more important. You know, We were able to get away with just username and passwords for 20 plus years, yeah. but since that moat paradigm has crumbled or has changed, mm -hmm. uh, where we have like said, thousands of mini-moats, you need to now uh, focus on user uh, level controls and data level uh, security controls. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what is it that um, people would want? Like, how is the process of in, into? You mentioned the assessment and, and going through, but but you like to work with people for for a long period of time yes. and, and be with them, get to know their business. How yes. important is that to kind of understand the business as I, opposed to just slapping a one-all solution on everybody? I think it really defines who we are and everything yeah. that we do. It's our it's our whole approach. Because getting back to what Dominic was talking about before, about that initial big report that, you know, uh, some big consulting firms are known to provide, mm -hmm. that is the deliverable. If they didn't know how to do that report, they certainly aren't going to know how to implement the recommendations. Let's say there's 300 things in that report that they're not doing. Which ones do we start with? Right. What are the resources that we go to? So there's, there's a value in, you know, knowing what to do next. Right. And... If you don't have that bridge between you know everything that's wrong and what should we do first, uh, then you're still hooped. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the key piece too, as well as about being vested in the business, is again showing that we, we care mm -hmm. and helping us being positioned as trusted advisors, not yeah. just being security people or security yeah. guys. 
they see us as being vested in the business. Ergo, there's that trusted advisorship yeah. uh, mentality. And then when you're able to make that type of connection, mm -hmm. that helps with the stickiness factor over many, many years. Absolutely, yeah. That's what I love about working with you guys. It's a great, uh, it's a great way to treat people and, and deal with their businesses as well. Um, one of the things that I was going to mention uh, as well is kind of um, your experience, uh, Dominic, in the field. How has that translated into just your your general knowledge of the field and, and helping people and getting the information out there that you do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's something which I, I, is really important to me is making sure that people, young people, students realize that cybersecurity is a great career field. Like, there's mm -hmm. just so there are so many opportunities in this field, and you know, there've been countless stories about the talent shortage, both at the entry level all the way yeah. up to senior leadership level. Um, and that problem is going to persist for the next decade plus. Um, and we'll get to <laughs> why that problem is the way it is right now. But in terms of what we can actively do, mm -hmm. um, like I said, I, I love what I do. I, I feel very blessed to have been doing this as long as I've been doing it. Um, and I think it's really important that students realize just how, what a great career field this is. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've come across so many students who just don't know about it as a career field, right. which is a shame because we're still not doing enough uh, uh, either as an industry or even at the uh, university colleges level to promote, or even high school level, to promote cybersecurity yeah. as a career field. Um, uh, there was actually a student who I'm mentoring who said, you know what, um, I, I was introduced to him and we were talking, I was telling him how great the field was, and he said, this is really great, I'm really looking forward to doing this and going into this field. Uh, and, he, and I said, you know, out of curiosity, what were you going to do instead? He said, I was going to be a lawyer. And I said, oh, thank God I saved the world from another lawyer. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think like I said, there's just so much to do in this field. And they're, compared to 15 years ago, cybersecurity used to be a very general field. Yeah. Now it is hyper-specialized. Like, mm -hmm. There are just so many subcategories within it um, that you can specialize in. You don't have to be a generalist. Right. And nor should you be. Like This is a field which is very specialized. I like to say it's very much mirroring um, sort of like the, the medical world in which mm -hmm. with, with doctors, right? Yeah, you may have a high level generalist like your, your, your family doctor, but then everything is hyper specialized yeah. from that, right? You don't go to a foot doctor if you want brain surgery. Though, Absolutely, yeah. Right? So yeah. I think that's really, really interesting. And I mean, like I said, there's a lot of great information I love sharing with, mm -hmm. with students and those are maybe even wanting to transition into cybersecurity after working 10, 15 plus years in another field. Yeah, absolutely. There, you mentioned lawyers and, and professional people, so accountants, lawyers, and, and things like that, they are perceived, at least in my world, as high value targets because they have information that's yeah. confidential, they're perceived as having money. Mm, um, yeah, so I mean, for, <laughs> let's take the, the lawyer yeah. uh, field, for example. You guys specifically help lawyers and mm -hmm. law firms and, and guide people through that mm -hmm. profession specifically, do you not? Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. Yes, we, we do. do. Yeah. That's all we have to say about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was, maybe just to, you know, to add to that, that, part, I think there's a lot of confusion in some of those professional service organizations, uh, particularly with the smaller or mid-sized law mm -hmm. firms, accounting firms. Um, I, say, I would say that there's a false sense of security there, which, again, uh, like you were talking to earlier, we're not a target. We're not a big law firm. So no one's going to come after us. Mm -hmm. um, the other uh, mentality I would say is, I think Christian is, a, is fond of saying this, in which the, a lot of those leaders there don't um, exude humility. Yes. Yeah. Right. They're not willing to admit that there's something, there's a problem, and that they yeah. should be doing something about it. 
Um, Which I would say is a good common denominator for our clients and companies that we like to work with is yeah. that humility on yeah. both sides. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and they, they, they see cybersecurity as a cost center. Mm-hmm. Which you're like, you know what, we're gonna, we have an IT guy, we're paying some IT MSP, you know, 10K a month, they're dealing with cybersecurity, we're mm-hmm. secure. They're not, they're not knowledgeable enough, nor they're w- willing to acknowledge that they don't understand what the right questions are that they should be asking. Yeah, but if you look at things from a cyber criminal's perspective, mm-hmm. okay, where's the treasure? Yeah. If I get into one of these firms, and mm-hmm. I actually know, because I'm, I'm pretty smart, uh, I know that they probably don't have very good security. Right. High value target, easy entry, it's cheap for me. Not Let's hit it up and they're yeah. getting it up. And right. I would say I said ironic because people go to their accountants for, among other things, cybersecurity recommendations. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. So I'm a company, I trust my accountant because they've done s- such a good job of my finances, but it's almost like to me, would you go to your CFO mm-hmm. for uh, IT advice or would you go to them for uh, you know, cybersecurity guidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, probably, probably not. Probably not. Hopefully yeah. not. Mm-hmm. We're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's, a, it's a treasure trove. If, if criminals break into one of those professional services firms, mm-hmm. lawyers, accountants, uh, wealth managers, mortgage yeah. uh, brokerages, they're not going to be disappointed. <laughs> right. No, they won't be. Yeah. And it's the funny thing is about those professions, it's such a competitive field. Those the, all those professionals work very, very hard to get clients. Yeah. And one of those kind of breaches could destroy their client base. Yeah. And and their revenue and yeah. all the things that they've worked for years for. That it trust can dissolve yes. quite quickly. hundred yeah. percent. And they're going up the street to the next law firm or yeah. accounting firm. Like yeah. it's it's uh it, it's it's almost foolish to kind of be so careless with Absolutely. that kind of uh con- consumer trust. Absolutely. Yeah so I mean if we can just get them to do the basics mm-hmm. we would be happy because they're they're then not the lowest hanging fruit out there. Right, right. So anybody who's listening or wants to know more about how to connect with you guys, what are some of the ways that they can connect and, and inquire about your services professionally? Yeah, so the first, the easiest way is our website, which is cyber.se, which happens to be the name of our organization as well. Yeah. Uh, we have a podcast called Cyber Monday, so it's video and audio podcast. Yeah. It's conversations that matter.tv and it's on YouTube as well. You can mm-hmm. find us on LinkedIn. That's probably our favorite channel. Mm-hmm. Yes, you guys are very active and good on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Great content. Yeah, we have a uh, email and uh, and uh, telephone on the website as well. So yeah, it's not hard to find us. Just just yeah. just, just Google it or just look us up in, on LinkedIn. <laughs> Great. Well, I'll make it extra easy for people, and I'll post all the links to you in the show notes. Um, you know, once I get out of the studio and get back yeah. into the office. That's right. <laughs> Go upstairs to yeah. mom's uh, kitchen, grab some. Yeah, I might have to fuel up. Orange slices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a kindergarten sauce. That's right. <laughs> uh, hey, one of the things I love about you guys, by the way, is that we do always have a good time when we chat. Oh, sure. and, and it's funny. You, you Do you still go by a cyber comedian or something like that? I, 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 li- I like to bring um, a comedic flair to the, to the field. Yeah. And, um, the Simpsons. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. A, lot, a, lot my, a lot of my presentations have very Simpson uh, memes or pictures uh, uh, in them. You know, it, it's... It's a field, as you know, which on a good day is very dry. Yeah. And especially if you're trying to explain a very abstract topic to yeah. someone who doesn't uh, understand that, one of the best things of making someone care or relate to something is through humor. Right. So uh, um, that's, I think, is part of our um, part of our MO and our style is to, again, make this not just relevant, but to the point in which we're connecting on a human level yeah. and we can develop actually deep, deep, meaningful relationships. Yeah, absolutely. That's really important. I like that. And... Um, 
Yeah, I think you guys do a really wonderful job of that. So I really hope that people uh, connect with you and start you know, breaking down some of the barriers that are holding people back from, from dealing with this. It's funny because when you look back at you know, physical security things, we, we at one point didn't lock our doors, yeah, didn't yeah. lock our cars. Yeah. That evolved. At one point, we didn't have video surveillance and silent alarms yeah. in banks. So now that's just standard. Yeah, it's all built in, and then this is it one of the things that will progress and will evolve, and we'll get there eventually. But right now, we're in this transitional period where yes. people don't know what to do with this threat. Yeah. So, yes. you guys are doing a very good job of getting the message out there and helping people. It's going to be a long road, and you guys are going to have a lot of success yeah, going we'll, forward. We'll be there waiting for everybody. When yeah, you absolutely. Show yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I'm looking forward to watching you guys continue to thank grow you. and continue to help people. So, it's an honor for me to call you guys professional colleagues and friends. And thanks Bye. for stopping by the podcast and doing this. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for awesome. having us on, Tyler. Hopefully we can be regulars. Oh, yeah. I think we, we're going to have to work that yeah. in. Yeah. Repeat performance. Yeah. We'll just keep going back and forth on each other's That's shows. Right. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful, guys. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, Tyler.